0: Log Talk Radio. About my
1: Welcome to the show and thank you for tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at From the Heart Radio, and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing underprivileged children with the basic necessities of life. I am also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy psychology, positive psychology, and energy and vibrational sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where From the Heart Radio streams to you live each and every week, bringing you optimistic and uplifting information from interesting people, people who are making a positive impact in our world. And today, we're very fortunate because we are speaking with Dr. Mona Sovani. So, Dr. Sabani, okay, welcome to the show, first of all, and thank you for taking time to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you join us on From the Heart Radio. How are you being?
2: Oh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm good. I'm excited to be here.
1: That's great. I loved your book, Proof of Spiritual Phenomena, a Neuroscientist's Discovery of the Ineffable Mysteries of the Universe. I found it to be both inspiring inspiring. And it was entertaining. You really made it humorous. You gave a lot of humor to it, and that was good because of the way you spoke. Just in general, you were being you, your authentic self. So first, yeah. there's the subject matter, but more so, you know, you're a neuroscientist, and scientists typically don't go down this road, not, not publicly anyway. Now, I know Dr. Brian Weiss did. He's been on the show two or three times. Other than that, in general, most people don't expect scientists or doctors to take the path of spirituality unless they themselves are already along the path, and then, you know, they know differently. And I work on a lot of scientists and doctors as well as their patients, but they certainly don't want anyone to know they're my patient, and I can't say so anyway. Confidentiality takes precedence. You even stated in your book that you were the least likely person to talk about spiritual transformation. And I understand why you said that, <laughs> But given that, along with all the work you were accomplishing in the field of traditional science, and you were doing so much, you managed to take a look at, or, okay, let me rephrase that, you you actually full-on gave attention to spiritual phenomena. So here's the question. Why?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was bored. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I had a, um, well, they... Really, I, I. it's interesting because it sounds like it was a choice, but it was almost like a compulsion <laughs> overtook me, um, and I was never interested in spirituality or religion. I was pretty aggressively anti those things, and that's why I said in the book I was the least likely person to, to write this or to experience it, um, because I was not into anything like that. Um, but I was exposed through my family, which I can tell the story, but I'm Persian, so in our culture, through our culture, I was exposed to divination, and, um, you know, over the years, was observing it, you know, like over like over a decade, <laughs> carefully observing and taking notes, um, and then that ultimately led me to get more curious about the universe, but it was my... So in our culture, we use this kind of thicker coffee, um, often called Armenian coffee or Turkish coffee or Greek coffee, um, where you leave the grounds in the in the bottom of the cup and flip the cup and let it dry. And then you can have an intuitive reader look at it to find pictures and intuit things about your past, present, and future. And my grandmother did this, she was skilled in it, and my, and my mother was skilled in it, is skilled in it as well. And... Um, I never, you know, never (laughs) believed in it, never paid attention to it, but my mom started reading for me just casually, um, you know, when I was in grad school, and I just started to notice that the things that she would say would come true with uncanny accuracy. Um, She would, you know, see very small, specific details of situations that were meaningful and important to the situation, but that she would have no way of knowing about, Mm -hmm. so those kinds of observations just queued me up to it, and that, but I couldn't reconcile it with science. I couldn't explain it with science. We have absolutely no framework in the modern scientific paradigm to explain these kinds of things, so I just kept them separate in my head and never tried to I, – I didn't have time, you know, to, to think, oh, how could this be working? Let me look it up, you know. I just kind of lived in cognitive dissonance. But then I had two really large emotional events that were – that my mother – predicted um, that made me curious, you know, that kind of uh, forced me to look at this more carefully, probably because they were so emotional. Um, they just kind of forced me to look at this phenomena a little bit more carefully and then think about the bigger questions of the universe.
1: Um, that, is, that is just amazing, actually, because, and, and here's why you know, you were steeped in this, you were brought up in this, but then you ended up becoming a cognitive neuroscientist. You hold a doctorate from the University of Southern California, completed a postdoctoral fellowship at Vanderbilt University with the MacArthur Foundation Law and Neuroscience Project, a former research scientist at the University of Southern California. You're also a scholar with the Sachs Institute for Mental Health, Law Policy and Ethics. You're smarty pants, we know that. I mean, in a good way, you know, you're really wicked smart. (laughs) And all of that is science-based, science but you were brought up in a household. You're, you said your grandmother and your mother were both very gifted. They were extraordinarily skilled Armenian coffee readers. And, you know, I would have thought that you would have been, like, intrigued like that as a child. So even as a child, it didn't become part of, oh, that's what mom and grandma do, and, you know, it's okay, it's cool, and I understand it, and I buy into it. You didn't buy into it when you were young.
2: Um, I honestly wasn't aware of it when I was younger. It wasn't uh, – I just didn't, um, didn't know – well, because they never gave me coffee because I was yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So I never <laughs> I never experienced it until um, – and I was away for college. So it wasn't until I came home for graduate school um, where I lived in Los Angeles, my parents lived in Los Angeles, that I would come home on the weekends. So it wasn't until graduate school that my mom actually started – uh, that I had my first coffee reading with her, and so I never under I, I really didn't pay attention to it, and I, I never thought about it before that, um, and I think also I and my my brother were raised in this Western culture, and so I think um, even though we, you know, we have a familial culture and that Persian heritage and all that, um, we did grow up in Western culture, and Western mainstream culture, you know, calls all this stuff woo-woo, and um, if you ever read any media report, despite there being scientific evidence, they always say there isn't. So I think those kinds of messages seep in. So even if you, and that's part of what I had to face on this journey for myself was we have, you may have a cultural heritage, but the culture you grow up in also influences you a lot, you know, and just, and I, a lot of um, immigrants and immigrant children, I'm sure, face this, but there's always, a, sometimes, I shouldn't say always, there's sometimes a tension between those cultures. And if you want to fit in,
1: <laughs> you that's Church, right it's,
2: yeah, the culture you're growing up in. So I think that has something to do with it.
1: I'm sure it did. I mean, it had to be difficult. I was brought up in a situation where my grandmother, my great-grandmother, let's see, read tarot cards. My grandmother was very psychic. Um, she wanted to train us, and my mother wouldn't let her, but she kind of snuck it in anyway. <laughs> and it was just oh, like, okay, everybody does this. So that's kind of the way I took it. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, this is just normal. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's I mean, I, I wish I could go back in time and, and experience it in that way, but in some ways it's... You know, it was interesting to come to it on my own or come to it later, you know.
1: Well, I think there was a reason for that, too. Your growth certainly shows throughout the book as, as I read through the book. As I said, you make it humorous, you lend humor to it, so it makes it an easy read. This is not an academic book the way that some people may think it is because, you know, proof of spiritual phenomena, a neuroscientist discovery of the ineffable mysteries of the universe. And, I, you know, when I first got the book from your publicist, I thought, okay, is this going to be academic? And I started reading just a couple of pages, flipping through, and I realized, no, she's got a sense of humor. So I was looking forward to reading this. I, I really was. And it was very worthwhile. Yeah. It's a really good book, especially for anybody. I don't care if you're into it in, in a way that I am or if you're just starting on a spiritual path. It doesn't matter. It's a really terrific read. So um, a, a couple of things that, that came out of it. You know, when you were researching all of this, you began, as you stated, you began weekly readings with your mom, and you said in your book that you took copious notes so you would either prove or disprove the accuracy of the readings, and you did it for over 10 years. <laughs> 10 years is a long time. Did your mom know she was under scrutiny? I mean, I had to ask this. I mean, does your mom know she's under scrutiny during this whole time? Oh. not <laughs> um, I mean,
2: she knew, she, she knew I was taking notes, Um Yeah. And I I mean, it's not like it was a serious thing. I wouldn't review them, you know, seriously and Mark, I don't know. It wasn't that serious, but I would just take notes when she would say things because, you know, I would forget oftentimes or, you know, I was kind of like, well, let me just be able to go back and track. uh," Oh, because I started not being able to remember. I'd be like, Oh, she said this, but I can't remember when, like if it was recent or, and so then I was like, let me just take notes. And that way I can look back and and see the the date of when something happened. But my mom always um, always gives disclaimers, or she still does. And she always says, "This is just for entertainment purposes." <laughs> she's always like, "Don't take it too seriously. Don't get too upset if some, you know, if I say something, or don't get too excited, or you know." She says it's never 100% accurate, so she has a lot of um, disclaimers, and she's always a little bit wary, I think, of doing readings, especially for other people. That's too bad. Because because family or friends, yeah,
1: yeah. The stories that you tell, the accuracy is really strong. You know, uh, the things that she told you, and and some of your friends as well, when they came for readings on a weekly basis. You know, they, uh, yeah, some of the (laughs) things. And you went the gamut. You went every 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 science field that imaginable. You could think of. You read everything. This is what amazed me. She's going to school. She's doing all this stuff. She's, you know, she's uh, all of these these accomplishments that you've made and somehow in between you managed to read all of this research, which made me think she was not sleeping. <laughs> you couldn't have been. You absolutely couldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, I didn't,
2: I didn't sleep a lot. Um, <laughs> I had, well, I'm also a fast reader. Um, I've, I've been pro- probably because of my um, education and career. So I do read pretty quickly and read a couple of books at once, but, yeah, I did. I, I got, like I said, it was kind of like this compulsion. I just was like, I need to know mm-hmm. the answer. <laughs> so I, I was trying to get read as many things as I could. And, um, it, yeah, and that's usually how I do things anyway. I'm kind of intense like that.
1: Well, the beauty of it is you manage to fit everything into a 206-page read you know, and it is a quick read. I will tell listeners that this is a quick read. This is not something that you're not going to understand. It is a quick read, and you even have recommended readings at the back of the book. A lot of the doctors and such that you cite, some have been on the show, so people should be somewhat familiar. It is, It. I found it to be phenomenal because I thought, okay, this is really great that everything is, is, um, I don't want to say distilled, but it's brought down into one book where you can learn so very much and make your own decisions. But, you know, I'm always open to reading more and learning more from different people and getting other people's perspective, um, because some of the perspectives that I agreed with most of them in the book, there maybe were a couple that I didn't agree with. And I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's just me thinking, you know, why would they think this one You know, everything is energy. Why do you think you have to go out and have your bare feet on the ground? It won't go through synthetic shoes when I know that I work on people distantly and it works. So energy does go through, you know, walls and things. So, um, but for the, you know, for anybody who's interested in wanting to, to see about it, this is a really good start to get the science behind it if that's what you need. And I needed that before I started my work. I needed to understand is this real? And I took some classes to understand you know, what energy was and, and what physics is and to try to understand, would this really work? And it did. So I, I certainly understand your point. But you really went the gamut to one degree, and this shocked me, and I, I will say this shocked me. At one point, you had talked about psychedelics. And you actually, and did I read this wrong? Did you actually take LSD in order to see what it would do?
2: <laughs> I did. I, I mean, did. it's in the book. I'm
1: not saying anything out of school here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's in there. Um, yeah, because the, the the book is, like, in my mind, it's like three different um, things. I mean, one is just me exploring the spiritual literature and the spiritual ideas about, like, I kept encountering the spiritual framework of soul groups and reincarnation and karma, each you know, Eastern philosophy, things that I had never Thought about or even I wasn't that familiar with them at all so one one thing is is that exploring that idea and then the other was the psychic phenomena which was related to the divination so I was interested in that um, and the science of it and then how the two were related to each other um, and then the third thing in the book is is my is my journey is my transformation and me facing, like my psychology, my ego, um, because I had a lot of resistance, like you said, I had built a whole ego and identity around being a very serious scientist. And, um, you know, it it was like a very intense transformational crisis to go through this and to open myself to the possibility of believing in these things or, um, not even believing, just allowing for the possibility, following the evidence. So, the psych- and what I came to learn with psychedelics and all these other kinds of altered states like hypnotic regression or like breath work, they're all spaces where you actually come to encounter the two other things I mentioned, or all of the three things I just mentioned. You can personally heal yourself and face your psychology. You can encounter the spiritual, and then you can have transpersonal or paranormal events. A lot of people who take psychedelics or even in psychotherapy or breathwork, you know, people have quote-unquote paranormal experiences where they, you know, perceive um, somebody in their family who's passed away, who they didn't know passed away, you know, like, like, oh, I saw my grandfather, and then I found out that he passed away and I hadn't heard, you know, things like that. Or you'll feel like you can hear people's thoughts. Um, so the, the the reason I mentioned that is because I came to because I kept thinking about that. I was like, well, there's the hypnotic regression for the past life, and that seems to be very healing. It seems like psychedelics are also healing. What's the common denominator here? And, of course, since I'm a neuroscientist, I looked into a lot of the literature around what is the brain doing in these in these states, like especially if you're thinking about psychic phenomena. And a lot of it came back to these meditative um, altered states of consciousness and how they allow like – they're kind of like the um, – connector between the transpersonal and spiritual and then personal healing and so that's that's why and yeah i i had never been interested in psychedelics before but after i read you know all of these different literatures and saw how they intersect i got really curious so, Tried
1: it. <laughs> well and as a scientist i think you had to do that you know it was the scientist coming out of you is what i I got when I was reading that part of the book, I thought, wow, I would never do that. That would be too scary to me. I'd be afraid it would like fry my brain because they used to show you an egg on TV. This is, this is, you know, your brain. This is your brain yeah. on drugs. I was like, oh my God. You know? so, oh, it was too goodness. scary. Yeah. But, you know, I applaud you. <laughs> oh, good job.
2: I <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that a lot of neuroscientists are interested in um, psychedelics or altered states of consciousness, obviously, because, I don't know, that's, yeah, our field. (laughs) We want to know what the brain is doing, um, you know, under different conditions.
1: Yeah. And the ancients have used it, but you can still go to, I can't remember where it is. Um, David Pinchak, I think is his name. Um, He went to, he wrote a book about ayahuasca. And it was fascinating to read, and it was interesting to speak with him in person. But it was also, yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I'm I'm a a chicken. I am a chicken, I admit it.
2: (laughs) It is Definitely not for everybody. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not. But they yeah. they are they are I mean, there's a lot of evidence now. There's a lot more science being done and they've been shown to be pretty safe, but you know, I don't know. It's not for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's not for everyone and we're not saying drugs are safe on this show. So, <laughs> so talk to your doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god. I agree with you when you say um we we heal ourselves. Um as someone who's been introduced as a healer, the minute I get on stage, I have to tell people I'm not a healer. I've never healed anyone in my life except myself. You heal yourself.
0: This is simply
1: the nudge that you need to allow yourself to get into that space where your body will heal. Because there is a space, I believe, where your body does heal and there are things that initiate healing and that's my job to get the person to that space. So. I agree with you on on that completely. Um, I really try hard to make sure people understand that there's no one on the planet that heals anyone else. Anything that you get that helps you to heal is helping you, whether it's medicine, psychotherapy. It's helping you to get where you need to be, and I think that's really important too. And you do mention in your book, you do talk about that. And you also talked about your friend Stephanie. oh, I said her name. I hope that's okay. <laughs> it's in your book. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. She's in the book. Yeah. You said that. She, she, She's intuitive, but she she's a bit afraid of what she gets or feels or sees. So I was wondering, has she yes. become less intimidated or fearful? Does she accept her gifts more, you know, now than she did before? And more importantly, does she use them? No.
2: <laughs> she
1: does okay. not.
2: Well, actually, let me think. Um, no, she still – well, she's tried to start – um, I and mean, she hasn't done anything purposeful, but what she does now is if she has thoughts come into her mind um, which'll she'll, she'll and you know and it's about someone else, then she'll tell them like so she's done that with me a few times. um you know, she's like, oh, I, I woke up this morning with this word in my head, Does it mean anything to you? and you know, and of course, it's like super relevant to me <laughs> or whatever's going yeah. going on and so she she started doing that, but she is a little
1: bit scared. Um, yeah. Do you have a message for her? Should I tell her something to encourage her? Do I? I think she should absolutely go with it and know that these are signs. We, You even mentioned in your book, you say things like, um, you know, we are constantly or, uh, yeah, we're having, I believe we're having participatory conversations with the universe all the time. And you said we can have, and I think we're having them all the time. It's a matter of do you want to recognize that there's really nothing to be afraid of because it's, and I think you've heard this before, it's your higher self talking to you to help you to get through whatever you're going through. So when you hear these signs or hear these, these if you hear words, sometimes I hear words, sometimes I see things, sometimes I just know you get a feeling. I pay attention to them because they always help you for the good. It's never going to be for the bad. It's always for your highest good. And you can do that yourself just by saying anything that comes in has to be for my highest good. That's, that's my law. And that's all you'll get. You have to just know it and believe it, but really know it. And she'll start getting things and her life will change. I'm sad for her because she's not, even as I read the book, I thought that's too bad that she's a little bit afraid, you know? I mean, my husband didn't really understand any of this or believe any of this, I should say, until... A little while ago, I remember we put one of our caps down, and just a few months ago, I said, oh, yeah, I saw patients running through the house. And he goes, yeah, so did I. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. (laughs) I didn't think he would ever admit to anything like that. And I thought, okay, he's not afraid. That's good. That's good to not be afraid. Because I think if we put on – you know when you go to the movies and they have those 3D movies and they give you those glasses to wear so you can see the movie in 3D? If they had glasses yeah. that were available to us to see spirit and we put them on, this planet is overpopulated. You are just moving when you pass, moving to a different realm where you can't be seen, but they're around all the time. They're coming through all the mm-hmm. time. We're getting signals and signs and, you know, all kinds of help, but most people don't want to acknowledge it. or oh, they can't because they're too busy and they're distracted. But where she's got this yeah. gift it almost saddened me. It really did. I was like, well, that's too bad. I really hope she can talk to somebody who can say to her, no, it's all good. It really is good. It's not going to hurt yeah. you, you know? Just set your boundaries yeah. like you do with with people.
2: Yeah, I've, I've told her that. Um, I think when she's ready, hopefully she'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's yeah, it happens when yeah, it, happens, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: so for you, yeah, through I all, all of this... All of this that you've been doing and all of this that you've studied and all that you have come to know, have you come to realize that everybody has intuition and everybody can develop their intuition? It's just a matter of practice, kind of like, you know, going to the gym. You need to flex the muscle, and the more you do, the better you are able to use your intuition. Do you do you feel that now? Yes. It seems oh, good. like
2: that. <laughs> um, yeah. I <laughs> – if I said no, would you – I'm wrong. No, I I've, simply. I've I mean, I've noticed that for myself, but um, I think that that's true. And I think a lot of people know and believe that, whether you call it, you know, whatever you call it, um, whether they believe in anything, quote, unquote, blue or not. I've noticed that with some of my, when I was getting some of the interviews with my scientist colleagues, um, I noticed some of them would say things like that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't use the words, but they would just say, oh, you know, I, oh, I always follow my gut. Or you know, I always follow yeah. my, my instincts. Um, and so yeah, I think there's different ways, you know, semantics that have different ways of talking about it. But well, hopefully, are aware of that. They're
1: <laughs> guided by something. Yeah, and you probably, um, but you're right. you Probably had to be, a, you had probably had to be a little bit uh, leery of how you spoke to these scientists at first. But I bet you got used to it afterward. You realized some of them were thinking along the same lines and just didn't know how to express it
2: yeah um yeah there were a lot of them were my friends, so I was I mean, but it was still yeah, I would still get nervous because <laughs> you just yeah. don't know but but um but they were all very uh open minded um you know even if they didn't necessarily believe or spend any time thinking about themselves, um you know they would they would mostly come back to citing, well, you know in science we don't know everything and there's a lot of mysteries left to the universe, and, you know, even if we have one data point that, that shows something different from what we normally see, we have to take that seriously. So a lot of them were pretty rational that way. So, um,
1: yeah, it was not much the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to an answer one. a, a different one. A tricky question. You're, so you're using your intuition now and you feel more comfortable with it and we know that Stephanie's a little bit fearful of what she uh, hears or feels or sees. Have you seen spirit?
2: Oh, um, I'm much more connected to the universe now, um, but I actively do not want to see anything.
0: <laughs> so okay, okay. I'm
2: always, yeah. I've always had a very strong intuition and it's much, it's even stronger now. I feel I'm very like in flow, but um, yeah, no, I don't want to see, I guess I'm kind of like Stephanie like that. I mean, I'm okay with, with, with all of it. I just, I don't think I'm very comfortable seeing anything.
1: (laughs) And therefore you won't. No. And therefore you won't when you, yeah. So, and Stephanie needs to know that too. If you don't want to see it, you're kind of blocking it. It's not going to come through for you. You know, because that's resistance yeah. and, and it just won't happen. So that gives her kind of a cushion. And, and you can just say you're the pro- positive proof of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actively i am like, um, I'm like, I'm happy to be connected to the universe. Please do not show me any spirits. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <yeah. laughs> and that's fair. And the universe I, does listen. The universe, it does take direction well, I have to say, in my experience anyway. So that's really great. Right now, we are going to take a short break for our Soji share. It is time for that. And what we do is we share stories about kids from all over this planet who are not just filled with hope, but they are motivated, they are creative, focused, passionate, and they want to make a difference in this world. And our goal at SojiKids.org is to spread joy, hence our name Soji, which is an African acronym for Sharing Our Joy Intentionally. And this week, our Soji share is Michaela Almer. Now, Michaela Almer was stung by bees at the age of four, twice in one week. And so she decided to do some research, not unlike you, Mona. Yeah. <laughs> she decided to do some research. Her. And yes, I do too. Yeah. And she learned that not only how very important bees are to us in our ecosystem, she also discovered that honeybees are in danger. And around the same time, her family encouraged her to come up with a product idea for a couple of children's business competitions. So while she was pondering what to create, her great-grandmother, let's see, Helen, sent her family a 1940s cookbook that just happened to include her great-grandmother's special recipe for flaxseed lemonade. So that triggered an idea, and Michaela thought that if she could make lemonade sweetened with honey from local beekeepers, she could help the bees. So she did that, and she entered her lemonade in a children's business competition, and her product was a hit. And that's when she began her company, (laughs) Me and the Bees Lemonade, and she has found major success. Her lemonade is available at stores large and small across the country, as well as restaurants and food trailers, and and it's available online. And a portion of the profits is donated to local, national, and international organizations fighting hard to save the honeybees. That's why she touts, buy a bottle, save a bee. But she also expanded her honey-infused product line and started her own bee advocacy nonprofit, Healthy Hive Foundation. And Healthy Hive Foundation advocates for bees by bringing attention and awareness that bees are critical to the environment, the ecosystem, the economy, and they're on the verge of extinction. So the three pillars of their mission are educate, research, and protect. So to spread the word, Michaela travels for speaking events to share her stories of being a social entrepreneur. She leads workshops on how to save the bees, and she participates in social entrepreneurship panels. But that's not all. In August of 2020, Michaela wrote a book, B B E E B-E-E, Fearless, Dream Like a Kid. And this book is about her adventures in being a social entrepreneur and heading up a purpose-based brand aimed at offering premium, all-natural lemonades in a way that helps save the bees. So kudos to Michaela Ulmer, this week's Soji Share. This is yet another amazing kid. We do this every week. This is another amazing kid taking an adverse situation, getting stung by bees, and, and you know, she was, she was stung twice and in the same week, and by the very species she's now trying to save. This is incredible that she decided to do that. So I, you know, have to admit that I was stung by a wasp just over a week ago. And when I got stung, my first thought was not, how do we help the wasp? No, I didn't think that at all. I'm I'm not that nice a person. My husband there, and I told him that he had to get and kill that wasp. And I was out for blood. I wanted it drawn and quartered and impaled on a pike and exhibited for everybody to see. But we couldn't do that. We just had to kill the wasp. So yay, Michaela. She's doing a great job. So what have we learned here? We have learned that there are a lot of kids doing a lot more good than some adults that we know, and they're doing wonderful things to help the planet, not just themselves. Sure, she's got a business, and that's how, you know, her family is probably um, making money right now to survive, but geez, she's actually helping the planet and the bees and the ecosystem and everything so that it helps all of us all the way around. So this is Michaela's story, and this is the good stuff that's happening in our world. Our children are coming up with these win-win ideas. And this is also the good stuff that Soji focuses on and chooses to share with you each week. And by merely focusing on the good in the world, stories like this, they're so positive and impactful, that alone makes the positive ripples even more enormous. So seek out the positive each day. It is good for you. It's great for your mental health. And in doing so, you'll help lift everyone else as well. So know that our energy is contagious if we keep it positive will resolve to spread a good contagion instead of the one we have going on and make a positive impact to win-win. We like those here at From the Heart Radio. So, you know, go ahead and and spread the word and let people know the kids are doing wonderful things, and maybe we have a lot to learn from them. Okay. We are back with Dr. Mona Sabani, author of Proof of Spiritual Phenomena. You can learn more about Mona at her website, Mona Sabani, PhD. So go ahead and write that down now. It's M-O-N-A. S as in Sam, dot com, And then you can check it out after the show. Okay. So, Mona, I have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what you're here for. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you went for past life regression therapy. And at one point in your book, you said you were crying from the deepest depths of your soul. And when I read that, I took that as you felt your soul and you had talked about earlier in the mm-hmm. book how you weren't sure that we maybe had a soul. And I decided at that mm-hmm. point, that's when you knew you had one. Am I right? Did you make, did that make you a believer in, in humans having souls? Hmm.
2: Interesting question. Um, I don't know that there was one point, but I, th- I think that that contributed to it <laughs> because it was, and it's, it's why I um, talk about those these experiences. That's why I got so interested in doing each one of these things, like the path of aggression or the psychedelics, because because the experiences give you a different level of understanding than just the reading, right, than just the knowledge. Um, like I read all of the books on path of aggression Oh, I didn't read all of them. But I read a lot of them, but um, nothing – me, I mean, I don't say that it convinced me as much as that, but it's just a different kind of evidence for you. And yeah, it was a very um, emotional, you know, cathartic emotional release, and I was really, really, really surprised by how much emotion was pouring out of me. I'm still amazed by it, and I've done it two other times, and every single time, I'm like, yeah, just very deep crying. Um and like it's the kind I think I'd mentioned in the book, but where your body starts crying before your brain processes the um, the feeling, and uh-huh. it it just hits you so fast. And that's what that that aspect of it in particular is what piqued my interest because you know I. I wasn't identifying per se with the story, you know, if I'm just thinking of it from a psychological neuroscience perspective, like, oh, maybe I was identifying with the story and I just uh, intellectually or mentally got sad for the person in the story. But it wasn't that. I I wasn't even, you know, uh, ruminating on it. Like, it just happened and it was pure, pure emotion from my body. And so that I just found very fascinating and convincing, yeah, I guess. It, it contributed. I feel like it's like a piggy bank of um, <laughs> evidence that I need to prove, <laughs> and it just it, it kept compiling. But that was definitely a coin in the piggy bank.
1: And you have had that was that was one past life regression that you had, but you just said you've had a couple of them, and they all made you cry. Yeah.
2: Yep. Very very um very deep deep emotions. Very deep emotions.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I am going to say that if anybody listening wants to have a past life aggression, I'm going to suggest that you go to somebody who is a hypnotherapist, not a hypnotist. There's a huge difference. The hypnotists are the people that you see on TV that, you know, will make people come up on stage and then they'll cluck like a chicken or whatever. And A hypnotherapist can help you through the process. When you're in hypnotherapy and you're going through regression, you're not not remembering it. When you are hypnotized, you don't remember things. So make sure you go to somebody who knows what they're doing. It's really imperative to know that. Um, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people have said, oh, yeah, I went to a past life regression with a hypnotist. And I thought, okay, that that was not a past life regression. That was something else. So, you know, you want to get somebody who is credentialed. Uh, I think that's really important. And you went to people who were taught by Dr. Brian Weiss, correct?
0: Yes,
2: yes, I did. Yeah, I found a great. So yeah,
1: she was, yeah
2: she was trained by like three of the big, the big ones in the field. So um, yeah, so it's yeah. it, nice to find somebody who's been trained by um, or whatever certified in some way.
1: Yes, yeah, they're at least they're somebody who, if you do get into trouble, they can help you get out of it because a hypnotist doesn't necessarily have that skill set. And I think it's important to note that so that people don't just run out to somebody who went to, you know, uh, uh, some hotel over the weekend to learn how to hypnotize people in, you know, 16 hours. That's not, uh -uh. uh-uh. That's not going to help you. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little more than that. So you kind of felt yourself, your soul or you were crying to the deepest depths of your soul. So you felt your soul. That's safe to say. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, I felt more connected
1: so, to it after. Okay. So outside of the past life regression, do you know if you have felt your soul? And if you did, do you remember the circumstances around the experience? Um,
2: let's see. Well, I've been working with this energy healer for the last three months, and almost every session with her <laughs> feels like, feels like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess, I know it's interesting talking about this, but now um, yeah, with, with, through her, I've felt a lot more connected and a lot more in flow. Um, yep. And I don't, you know, I, and she doesn't do a lot of talking. It's like, mm-hmm. Literally she just does what she's good at. So I can't, I can't put words to it, and I, I don't even know if she can. But whatever she does, <laughs> whatever we do in our sessions, um, it's really interesting. And she always, you know, tells me things about whatever she's perceiving, and she's always 100% right. Um, yep. And, and
1: then,
2: yeah, whatever we, we work on together is very, yeah, it has left me over the last three months just feeling the most. But the psychedelics also did that for me, so I, that's, Um, why all of these healing practices are so important. But like you mentioned, um, sometimes they can bring up a lot of, you know, emotions or trauma, so it's definitely good to work with somebody's skills who can deal with that when it comes up. You definitely want to be safe and careful when when you're, you know, you don't want to bring up a trauma and then not not be able to to be guided through it. But, um, yeah, I think all of these healing things that I've tried have helped me much more in touch with how i'm feeling and and more in touch with my soul i guess although honestly i've never thought about it in that way
1: okay no that's fine the uh you know it's really important for people to go to an energy person that they resonate with and somebody that they feel comfortable with because if you don't feel comfortable you should walk out and the person shouldn't be doing a tremendous amount of talking but working on you and when they're done if they have anything to say they will tell you for the most part at least you know myself and other ones other energy healers that I know, and I hate using that term, energy therapists, I'll say. Um, you know, you try to work on the person, and if anything happens to come through, you have to deliver the message. You just have to. I remember telling a woman once that it was fun working on two people at the same time, and she said, what do you mean? And I said, you know, you and your baby. And she said, what baby? I said, you're a baby. And she said, I'm not pregnant. And I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry, my faux pas. And, you know, she called me a few weeks later and said, T, I'm pregnant. And I said, I did not do oh, that. My. I did not know what to say to her. I was like, I did not do that. <laughs> She's like, okay, this is really weird. And I said, yeah, I know. that you know, it is. But, you know, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you, know, you didn't get it yeah. here. <laughs> so, you know, but, yeah, uh, it's important to, to have, you know, sometimes getting referrals from friends is a really good thing to do. So, you know, just check the people out. Again, anything Definitely. that you do, you want to check the people out. But as far as, like, a soul thing, like, I know I have, looked in the eyes of a few people in my life and I quite literally could see their soul in those moments. It was just the two of us. And I'm not speaking about romantic love here at all. That has nothing to do with it. It is like an instant connection where there's an instantaneous knowing along with the trust. It's visceral. And it can happen when you least expect it. I I have a woman who comes in to see me and she decided to bring in her mom and you know, the woman that sees me, she has got a wonderful, open, loving heart and a beautiful soul. There's no question. But then she brought in her mom. And I have to say that this woman, I could not believe the level of holiness that her, that her being expressed. She was so holy. That's all that kept coming through But she was so holy. And it was truly an honor to work on her. And after the session, her daughter told me that her mom was going to be a nun. And that didn't surprise oh, me in okay. the least you know but she she didn't become a nun because she met her dad only a few weeks before she was going to take her her I guess her final vows or something or enter the convent whatever it was and she did not she ended up not becoming a nun so the fact that she was considering becoming a nun didn't surprise me in the least it was just crazy though so you can feel these soul things without even being into we'll call it an altered state, I guess, or a total state of relaxation or whatever. You just, you know, it's happened to me before with coworker, you know, and it's just, you're just talking mm-hmm. and you look at the person and all of a sudden you just like see their soul. And like you said, at the end of your book, you were talking about uh, what you've learned and how you have come to the conclusion, if you will, or you've come to be more aware of yourself to make good decisions to to be aware of what you're doing and more mindful of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what came out of all of this. The most, can I say that? Is that what you got out of it the most is, is more awareness and mindfulness and being able to go into that quiet space.
2: Oh my goodness. Definitely. Uh, so invaluable. <laughs> it's just a light, obviously life changing thing to be able to do that. But yeah, I didn't realize how, you know, subconsciously driven or, like, how unconsciously I was moving through life, really. Um, And so – and it's weird because I always had a meditation practice, but the – I don't know, the awareness still wasn't really there. Um, So I wasn't incorporating the mindfulness in my day-to-day life in a good way. And I do think I needed the kind of deeper, more integrated healing sessions or, you know, all these different things that I tried, I think – I think those kinds of things broke through a lot of barriers that I had. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I try to be more, a lot more conscious and calm and slow, (laughs) slow down a lot, which is well, that's really good because,
1: yeah, it is. And and you're, I'm a type A personality, but I think you're a type triple A. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. yeah. You have to agree, right? I mean, you're laughing, so I'm sure I'm not... Oh, my goodness. I don't mean to be me at all.
2: <laughs> no, no, I am. I'm very, very type A. Um, yeah. yeah. But I do carve out time to, like, sit and stare at the wall now. <laughs>
1: and just yeah, I do with that
2: myself <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was like... I know that I used to think that that wasn't productive or it was a waste of time, but... You know, now I don't think that it is. I think that we ha- we should do that more more often because it definitely really helps you connect to yourself and your feelings. You know, how I feel right now. Um, so it's really important to do that work. I think.
1: And I think it makes you more productive too because you're not making decisions quickly without thinking things through. You're able to react quicker and react isn't the right word. But you'll be able to take action quicker and do it in a mindful way where you know you've thought about it without putting too much emotion into it. That's what works for me is the fact that, okay, I can sit with this for just a few seconds and make a good decision without having to, you know, obsess about it for three days before I decide, all right, I guess I will do that. I still do that sometimes. I still do that. It depends on the situation, but yeah, you know, it does it does help. Now, you also talked about signs. I was waiting for this. It was at the end of the book. I thought, oh, okay, here we go. Here are the signs. And, (laughs) you know, as I said before, I do believe we're in participatory conversations with the universe constantly, and the signs are all around us if we choose to look and be aware and recognize them. But you have a great story in your book about, you know, telling the universe or asking the universe, and that's what you have to do. Okay, universe, give me a sign. If it's meant to be whatever, then show me something. But tell us how that works for you.
2: Yeah. Or oh, didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I was at the very beginning of this journey, I mean, maybe I had read, I think I had only read Many Lives and Masters at this point. Um. I was starting, I was already meditating, like I said, but I was starting to um, try to incorporate some of the spirituality that I was learning about into my day-to-day life. And one of the things was, you know, I kept reading about signs, and that you could ask for signs, and you could make it ridiculous, and the universe would deliver, whatever. But I was not very – I I kept forgetting. I would choose a sign, and then I would forget what it was, and then um, I would choose stupid signs, and then I wouldn't believe myself when I, when I got them. And so one day I was um, deciding kind of – you know, I wasn't sure if I should read more books or look into the spirituality stuff more seriously. I was – kind of not believing any of it or I was going back and forth and I was like, all right, I'm either going to really get into this or I'm just, or I don't believe it at all. And I thought I need, I'm just going to ask the universe for if you, you know, want me to continue this or whatever, um, you have to give me a really big sign. And since I'm not good at choosing signs, um, the universe, you know, I was like, you have to choose it for me and it can't be something that I would miss. Um, And I'm, yeah, I'm just going to leave it up to you. And so, and then two days later, I was going to a restaurant for my, one of my friend's birthdays. I was in um, the Uber on the way over and some of our friends were already there and they called me and they, you know, they're like, how far are you from the restaurant? When are you getting here? Um, And I'm like, oh, I'm just like, you know, probably five minutes away. I'll be there soon. Why? And, you know, my friends were like millennials. We never call each other. Um, so I was like, why are you calling? <laughs> and they're like, okay, because Chelsea Handler is here, and, like, you need to get here immediately. And so Chelsea Handler, the reason that it is significant is because um, when I um, – the reason that I read Many Lives, Many Masters, which was the book that kind of set me on this journey, was because I had – Randomly, listen. Paradoxically, listen to um, Chelsea Handler's limited series podcast that she had based on her book, which was called Life Will Be the Death of Me. And the book and the podcast were mostly about about therapy and the enneagram and personality. But one episode, she randomly had Laurel and Jackson, a psychic medium, on, and Laurel and Jackson and her talked about many lives and masters, and they talked about the spiritual framework that you know I had just learned about. And so that. That one podcast episode was <laughs> kind of what like tip. you know, I I got me Lesony Masters, I read Laura Lynn Jackson's books, it was what had set me on the path. So when when Chelsea Handler was at the restaurant, I thought and I had just asked for a sign from the universe, I just had chills from head to toe. Like the whole dinner, I was in my head staring at Chelsea. <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe this. This is so weird and so creepy. And I've never seen her before. You know, I live in LA, but I've never run into her before. It was just like, you know, the biggest coincidence in the world. It was, And I was so um, shook, really. I was very... But in a good way, this one was a good, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I just felt very, like I said in the book, in conversation with the universe, I was like, oh my God, it like heard me and it responded.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't a coincidence, was it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it, no, it did, I didn't even think for a second. It was that powerful. That moment was so powerful and meaningful. Um, my normally skeptical brain, which would have said it was just a coincidence, there was no doubt. In my mind but that yeah. that night there was no doubt <laughs> at all yeah
1: you know this book it, it certainly does tell your journey and it shows the growth and how you know life is a gift but so are these experiences and these experiences really are gifts to us and I think that's in your book too I think I read that at the very end of the book something about these, these gifts are the things that the way that we have to grow are really gifts to us if we would only acknowledge them that way And I think your journey is fascinating. I really do. And I commend you for all the work that you did because, again, what you did is you took everything and put it into 206 pages so that the rest of us don't have to do all the work that you did. So thank you for that. (laughs) I think people will enjoy it. It really is very entertaining. It's It's filled with a lot of science. And we didn't get into a lot of the science tonight because we could have taken one and spent six hours on it. And I wanted to do an overview yeah. of the book itself. Um, and I will ask you. Uh, I have maybe two more questions here. Um, tarot, astrology, and numerology. What are your thoughts on those modalities? Oh yeah,
2: I've actually I've been learning tarot and astrology, <laughs> and um, I don't know that much about numerology. But yeah, I've been I've been digging into. I think my um, Tarot, I, because of the re- the intuitive readings I got that I talk about in the book, I got interested in tarot very early on and learned it pretty quickly. I mean, not that I, you know, I'm not an expert or anything, but the basics of it. Um, and then astrology is interesting because um, there's this astrologer, Richard Charges, that I'm really into, and he's he has a PhD from Harvard. He did LSD psychotherapy in the 70s. He, you know, teaches at, um, or used to he's at Esalen and California Institute of Integral Studies and all that. So, and he's a deaf psychologist. Anyway, so I heard him on a podcast and um, heard him discuss how he tracks astrology over 30 years. I was, you know, skeptical about astrology, and he makes the joke that it's like the the, the most woo-woo of all the topics. Like, so the people will more readily tell you they, you know, are into tarot or psychic readings than they'll tell you they believe in astrology. Um, and so but his work on it cuz he's like a very smart serious accomplished cultural historian definitely called I mean he's just amazing I read his like 600 700 page book Cosmos and Psyche in like a week cuz I I just couldn't put it down and by the end of that I was like oh, okay so there's I think there is something to you know, I mean, I do think there's a broader consciousness, the cosmic consciousness. I do think there are archetypes and forms, like whatever you want to call it. I do think there are these kinds of themes um, that connect us all. And that, and that's why in the book I talk about the the entire universe having meaning. And that's why all of these things work, right? That's the reason your palm can tell you that it's the same thing as the stars, the same thing as your energy as a tarot because it's all connected and it's all meaningful in some way. So that's
1: kind of how I've come to reconcile those things. Well, if you get in, when you get into astrology, if you ever get into numerology, you will find that one validates the other.
2: Okay, perfect. That sounds good. That'll be the next thing I dive into.
1: (laughs) Yeah, numerology. It absolutely does. I am a Capricorn with a Taurus moon um, my rising sign is Sagittarius um, and waxing gibbous is, you know, um, my moon. And I am a seven in numerology, which just is like spot on for everything I just said about being a Capricorn. <laughs>
0: like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it it's really interesting.
1: When, yeah, it really is. And, yeah. and I actually use numerology to work with patients. I've taught teachers how to use it so that they can know how to teach their children in their classroom and what the kid's going to be like and how kids can learn better if they if the teacher's aware. And it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. Yeah. It all works. It really does. So my final question for you is have you ever watched the show The Big Bang Theory? I have not. It's a sit- no. You have not? I cannot believe you I've have not watched it. that show. Oh my goodness. I there don't. is a woman on there. Her, her name is Dr. Amy Farrah Fowler and she's now a host of Jeopardy! <laughs> Okay. She's actually an actress, I my mean, wife, but sort she of, really is a neuro, a neuroscientist.
2: Yeah. That's right. I'm familiar with um
1: I I know who she is. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to ask that question. I was hoping you'd see the show and then you I would get a, a really good laugh out of you, but oh, no. that didn't go over well. I'm not a comedian like Charlton Handler. So <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: I don't oh, watch goodness. Yeah, I don't watch a ton of T V. And oh I definitely don't watch a lot of Scientists or science tv i feel like i already have enough of that
1: (laughs) no no, this is a sitcom it's so hysterical there are more kids actually starting college going into physics because of it
0: it's crazy it's hysterical it's
1: really it's really is a funny it really is a funny show but we are almost out of time and before we go i would love it if you would tell our listeners how they may learn more about you your work and where they may purchase your book proof of spiritual phenomena a Neuroscientist's discovery of the ineffable mysteries of the universe
2: Yes, yeah, so um, the book is sold, wherever books are sold, but um, you can find links to it on my website, which is monasabani.phd.com. You can also sign up for, um, I write a psychedelic and altered state of consciousness newsletter, so you can sign up for that there, and I try to keep the website updated, so
1: all other information should be there. Great. You know, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I, it really it has been wonderful having you. I, I think your book is terrific, and I hope that people go out and, and read it, simply because it, it may sound academic, but it's not. You will be able to understand everything in it, and it will bring you probably to a place that, even if, even if you know a lot, it will bring you to a place that you didn't think you, were, you, know, you could ever be before. So try it out. You know, the holiday is coming. Get it for yourself. Get it for somebody else. Read it together as a group. Really good book. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread. Oh, you're quite welcome. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on From the Heart Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you don't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully, and this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please share the good news by sending this link to this show to everyone you know. Let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place. Place for all. On behalf of everyone here at From the Heart Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is P. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at From the Heart Radio. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, there's no stipends, there's no compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes to it underprivileged children. Right now, we're helping subsidize the cost of mental health sessions for children who might not otherwise receive this much-needed therapy. You know, if you don't have your mental health, you can't learn to live well at all. It is vitally important, and all children deserve a fair chance for a good life, and that starts with mental health. So children need help, and together we can provide them the help they need. Please consider donating to SojiKids.org. Your donation does make a difference. Every single dollar matters. If you'd like to sponsor a child, please visit SojiKids.org to learn how. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. And thank you for taking time to visit our website. It's S-O-J-I-K-I-D-S.org, SojiKids.org. Please follow us on Twitter at Soji Huggles. While you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, also Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. We are going to leave you with From the Heart Radio's Thought for the Week by this week's guest, Dr. Mona Sabani. Dr. Sabani says, I want to live in a world where kindness is king, where humans can reclaim the word humanity and deserve it. My heart longs for a world where humans see themselves as part of a vast interconnected network that includes nature, not as separate from it. I believe the lack of resources and treatments for mental health and trauma are a great ignored tragedy. Let's create a world where we don't have to strive for justice and equality, where it already is just and equal. I want to see the doors of perception blown wide open. That is just beautiful, and it's a beautiful positive intention. So be it. I am your host, T. Love, here at From the Heart Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.